0: Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Today, it's going to be a great podcast day because we have opened up questions from you. And we've been collecting these questions, and I have put them together in two different categories. Questions about managing stress at work and questions about people who have negative attitudes at work. And so before we get started, I would like to thank all of you who are taking the time to rate the podcast, send in comments, send in your questions, send in nice things. And to all the people who have negative comments or negative questions or things that bother us, we appreciate you listening to other podcasts and we encourage you to do so. So with that, on this Aim Higher episode, we are very excited to have an incredible star-studded panel Elise is back with us again. Elise Wampler, thank you for joining us. She is all things leadership development. You have a tagline. Do you remember what it was?
1: Helping people bring their best selves to their work.
0: Oh, that's so, so good. And it may be bringing your best self if you're in the car listening. Wherever you are, you bring your best self here at this time. And we also have Tammy Spade. Tammy's been with us once or twice before. A couple of times, yeah. People, purpose, and place. hmm you haven't changed it. No, I'm I haven't. Waiting for this because one day, it, for the one day it P, just changed.
2: or it might just yeah, I might choose be radical. You choose might change a different Ps. letter of the alphabet. Yes,
0: exactly. Welcome back. And we have Brian Barry, who is all things human resources. Welcome, Brian.
3: Thank you for the opportunity. Looking he, forward to it.
0: He was wandering by and became our victim. We do not have. <laughs> <laughs> we do not have Drew Bordis here today because he had the audacity.
2: To take a, what's the word? What's the word of that? I've heard, it starts with a V. I think it's vacation.
0: Vacation. Yeah.
2: Time off. Wow.
1: How dare he does that? I know.
0: Yes. So we we will- Slacker. Yeah. We'll have to to talk about (laughs) it. We should talk about Drew for a while, just because, you know, where is Drew is he really on vacation, or is this a conspiracy to try to not be at Aim
1: Higher? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's probably a way to manage his stress.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> Could
1: be. He or did, is it He us? did say,
2: yeah, he did say you have to change the scenery. I remember him saying he that did in our last that. conversation. Yeah or, yeah, or
0: maybe it's us managing negative attitudes at work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Drew. You're disinvited to this <laughs> podcast.
0: Oh, and I'm sure he's listening to this on the beach somewhere thinking, I'm just perfectly happy without being there. Well, anyway, I have a few questions that we're going to take and just talk about some people's feedback. And so I'll start right out, managing stress at work. My boss stresses me out. You didn't write this in, did you?
2: Um, gosh, you <laughs> found me out.
0: <laughs> okay, this is gonna be a long Side conversation. Podcast. My boss stresses me out. The deadlines are impossible. The support is non-existent. I'm exhausted running around trying to put out fires that I didn't cause. I keep hoping he is transferred to Houston, but as long as he is here, I don't know what to do. So my boss stresses me out. What does the person do? Boss is stressing him out, and why? They gave reasons: right, deadlines, no support, exhaustion, putting out fires that the person didn't cause, and is very upset that the boss is not moving to Houston. I don't know. I don't know who. That's definitely not us. No, we don't, no, we don't no, we don't have, have a Houston office. Houston. No Houston. We're eliminated. But in any case, what do you do about a stressful boss? I think that's the big question. My boss is the one stressing me out at work dealing with deadlines and those kind of things. Who would like to start? And what are you thinking as you hear me read that comment? Brian, how about you?
3: My first thought was, it could be that this employee is a really good person, good worker, because managers tend to put a lot of the extra work on their best employees. So right then, if this person is really busy and really stressed, my guess is maybe that manager tends to put some things on that person more, more than the others, possibly.
0: So it's a good thing in some cases that you're being tapped. Yeah. I, it is true. You know, sometimes the 20% get the 80% done and the 80%, where are they? Yeah. On vacation, Drew. Mm-hmm. They're on vacation. Mm-hmm. See yeah, See how problem, this is going to go?
3: Yes. <laughs> Poor Drew. But the manager, I think, needs to really be aware of that, you know, make that new assignment a challenge for somebody else. And just really think about that person because you don't want to burn them out and you don't want to lose them. There probably is more to this question, but that's what struck me first.
0: So let's think about that. Let's just park on that scenario if we could. And let's say that this person's getting a lot of the work because the person's exceptional. Let's just use that scenario. What does that person do now? You know, They're getting overloaded. What do they do?
1: So if I have someone come to me with a scenario like this, my first question to them will be, have you talked to your manager about this? Oftentimes, what I learn is, no, I haven't talked to them about this. But I wrote in. Right. To aim higher. (laughs) So then I would encourage them, okay, let's talk about exactly what stress you're feeling from it, where your pain points are, and put together some sort of framework for you to have a conversation with your leader about that. Because We own our feelings, we own those, and we can't expect our leaders to always know how we're feeling 100% of the time. So it all has to start with a conversation, in my opinion.
0: What types of things would you put into that conversation?
1: Probably expressing how the addition or the timelines are causing that stress and, and that stress is causing maybe the person to slow down, feel uncomfortable, and, and really exploring why those feelings are coming up for them and being able to communicate that to their leader.
0: Really good. How about if it's not that? What if the boss stresses me out, deadlines are impossible, support's non-existent, exhausted running around, putting out fires... Because the boss is, I don't know, on vacation. Just kidding. Let's say the boss is away and just, let's say the boss is just lazy. Or it just doesn't care. It doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And then does that change the framework of what the person does? Tammy, what would you think?
2: I think it does change the framework in that case. I mean, obviously you should always have a conversation with the person first. So maybe the boss is unconcerned or distant or disconnected, but you still owe it to that person to have the conversation. Then, you know, if there isn't a resolution or there isn't action, then I think you do have other people you can go talk to. You can talk to a colleague. You can go to your human resources partner. You know, you can, if needed, go up the management chain. I always caution people about that because... You know, it's not that that's a bad thing to do, but you want to make sure that you're using other avenues before you bring in other leaders in the organization because you don't necessarily... I had a bad experience myself early on in my career with that, and it gave me that... Um, pause. Yeah. Gave me the pause and gave me a lesson I've never forgotten.
0: Yeah, it's true. That's a whole different podcast. When to...
2: Escalate. You escalate yeah. and
0: how. Let's, yeah. let's talk about that another time because that's a good mm-hmm. thing to talk mm-hmm. about. So... What else would we do in this situation? This person's stressed out. Impossible deadlines.
1: Well, I think there's an opportunity to, if, if the manager's not willing to engage in that conversation, to, again, if, if you come to like a third party like someone in HR, is exploring, okay, let's discuss what's urgent, what's not urgent, what's important, what's not important. I've seen a, a four-box grid that folks have done before where you have to spell out, because everything is not always urgent. All of your work can't get done the instant it comes in. So really getting that person to explore what's urgent and important and what's not as urgent and maybe not as important, that can be reduced from your to-do list or deprioritized. So actual activities to go through that stress load and that workload because... I think you talked about it in the Managing Stress podcast. A lot of times it has to do with timelines, deadlines, workload. So let's explore all of those pieces to figure out what can be adjusted. I love that. And I think what it does is give you back
2: control. What yeah. I hear in this question is a feeling of loss of control. I don't feel like I have any control. I feel like I'm being whipped around by deadlines and you know workload. It gives them back control. And when you do talk with that leader or you talk with someone else, it's always good to both frame the situation and have solutions. You may not be able to do that all in one conversation, but to come and sort of unload without any thinking about how it could be different and proposals about how it could be different, that's a little more challenging. So I think if you can come with some solutions, that helps.
0: I think that's really a good approach. It's also fascinating to me, Brian, when people are working in the problem versus on the problem. I think one of the things that Elise and Tammy are saying is sometimes you're so emotionally charged and you're doing all these things, but they're not able to step back. And so these tools, quadrant boxes, analysts, you know, you you step back and you look at it and you ask questions. And I've seen that too, right? Where somebody is just stuck in the problem and they can't get out of it.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think one of the things that I thought about as I was listening to Lisa and Tammy's comments is, from an HR perspective, if we've done a good job of building relationships, people are gonna just do drive-bys and they'll feel comfortable coming and talking to us. And the manager, sometimes we do have to intervene maybe it really is a, a significant issue. Something's not right here. You know, We always want to funnel that back to the employee and to their manager when we can. But I feel like many times if someone shares that with me, they may leave there with some things they need to do. I, in, the, in my mind, am thinking I may have an opportunity, even if it's a nudge or a comment, knowing what I know without betraying a trust. You know, And so I think one of the things we really want and try to encourage is it's not an intimidating thing to come into human resources. It's more of a, it's a conversation. You know, I'm thinking about this. Here's some um, ways I'm thinking about this. To get to your point, Skip, is how do we help them with the right approach in a positive way, getting to a good result?
0: Excellent. I better read more questions because I'm stuck on the first one. So let's see where I will go next. No one is listening to me at work. Nobody's listening. I have a zillion ideas and they just get shot down. It is making me feel worthless and I'm not valued and that makes me feel stressed. How do I get heard? So, stress over not being heard, zillion ideas get shot down, don't feel valued. Probably at some point, I'm speculating, you just stop giving your ideas because you feel like nobody's listening anyway. How do you get heard? And it doesn't look like it's directed toward the boss, it looks like it's just in general. What would you say to that one?
1: My first initial instinct that comes out, and there's more to this than just a statement, but looking internally and saying, how am I listening to others? And am I truly hearing others and connecting the ideas together? Or am I just talking? So having a conversation about that is what exactly is going on in the situation? And are you truly listening on your end as well? Yeah. I would tend to ask questions in that case and say, well, why do you think you're
2: not being listened to? Because they may have some insight. And then I'd say, walk me through, role play a little bit with me, how you are sharing these ideas that you don't think are being listened to. Is there something in their delivery? Is there something maybe in the completeness of their thoughts or ideas? Is it something in the forum that they're choosing that just isn't the right, you know, the right time or the right delivery? So coaching them a little bit on that and trying to uncover that a little bit.
0: Also, I think sometimes people have ideas that are not at all relevant to the business and they think they're bringing an idea that is helpful and it's quickly shot down because it's Mm -hmm. so far, I mean, it may be genius, et cetera, but most of the time it isn't. Like, honestly, most of the time it isn't. Most of the time you're saying, let's go do this. And, you know, I know somebody stopped me two weeks ago and had this idea and it was totally off the reservation of what we would do. It has nothing to do with our company. It's not relevant, et cetera. So you don't want to shoot that person down. It's it's always good to have ideas, but it's not something that we would do. So Mm -hmm. it's not like I would entertain it. And I think you do a disservice of pretending that you're going to do something if it's just not something you're going to do. This person's writing and saying I have a zillion ideas. And a zillion is a lot. I don't know how many z- how many millions are in a zillion, but it's a lot. So- well, and that
2: makes me wonder, is it is are, are people just overwhelmed by the constant, I'm in another group and there's a person like this who we all love, but we tease him that he's an idea factory. He's just always coming up with an idea, an idea, an idea, but you know, he's not really scoping them out and identifying a plan around them. It's more just what about, what about, what about, what about. And we're all kind of close enough to tease each other, but it does get a little bit exhausting. And I think people sort of tune that person out. So maybe what are your top two or three ideas rather than your zillion?
1: Well, and knowing the time and place, right? So I assume they're bringing these ideas in meetings. Is it a meeting time for brainstorming? or is it a meeting where we're creating action on stuff that we've already decided to move forward with? So what's the purpose? When are you bringing those those ideas to the forefront? Are they in the appropriate manner in time and place?
0: Good point. And I also think sometimes people bringing ideas, and you're talking about time and place, you may have a full plate. There is no room for that idea. And it's not as if that idea is rejected, but There's no bandwidth to take on that new idea now or people. Or if you go back to the first question, the people you have are stressed out. The deadlines are impossible. The support is non-existent, right? They're exhausted and the boss is not moving to Houston. So they're like, I can't take it on. So if somebody comes up with a new idea to add yet another thing to do, it's like deer in headlights. Wow, this is great. Sounds wonderful. Please go away. And. Leave me alone. I'm overwhelmed with what I'm doing. Now, there are times that the new idea can be disruptive and the new idea can change something, and the new idea could take three things off the plate. So, I'm not making a a judgment on new ideas. It's just you have to know when. So, my advice is this get yourself some good books, some good materials, some good web searches, some good podcasts on persuasion. Because the problem isn't your ideas. The problem is you selling them. The question is why? So do you lack the credibility, the authority, the persuasive skill, the communication ability, the time and place? Are you reading your audience? Do you understand the organization? Do you understand what you're doing in order to influence? Your real problem is not your ideas. It's your influence. And so get really good at influence. And part of influence is knowing when is the appropriate time place? When is the best opportunity for me to bring this forward? Should I bring it forward? To whom do I bring it forward? Why am I bringing it forward? What is my motivation? Does it fit? And so you have an influence problem and there's a lot of ways to get much better at influence. I think it's a key skill that we should all learn and if you have any children or around any children, you'll know that when they want a cookie, they're incredibly good at influence. Like they will know how to influence you to get that cookie. It's an innate skill. But we lose it over time. Maybe that's the answer. How do you uncover that internal child to get the cookie? You're not getting it because you're not good at influence. That's that's my advice to the person. Would you add anything to that, Brian? It's
3: good advice, I and I think it's a skill that's probably – undervalued underutilized the ability to convince others people who do that well are usually really successful because they learn how to pick and choose they learn how to move their ideas forward in an appropriate way that's helpful I um, mean if you think about it you know how do i put myself in my leader's shoes what's going to you know with all the things that you know he or she might be handling and how do i make this actually useful and something that we can do and and my part in owning it not just dumping off ideas, but my part in owning, making it actually happen. That's a really important skill.
0: It really is. And it, it is something that stresses you out if no one's listening to you. And I get that. And I'm sorry that's happening to you, but I do think you can work harder on yourself and you'll find that your influence will grow over time. The last question we have, I keep getting blamed for things I didn't do that would stress you out, right? I keep getting blamed for things I didn't do. When I try to defend myself, I am told that I am too sensitive and just to keep my head down and do my job. I'm worried that I will be fired over this stuff. Okay. So it kind of escalates. So I keep getting blamed for things I didn't do. I try to defend myself. I'm too sensitive. Just get back to work. I'm worried I'll be fired. That's a lot. And I don't know what that means. I'm getting blamed for things I didn't do. So that could mean a lot of things. So dear listener, we need more information. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm blamed for things I didn't do. A few murders, the bodies in the trunk, <laughs> right? <laughs> or I'm using too many paper clips or like, what does that mean? I'm being blamed for things <laughs> I
2: didn't right, do, right, right, yes. And then there's a huge range of yeah. what
0: that means. It yeah. could mean I'm disruptive in meetings or late when I'm not, or it could mean, I'm guilty of a crime. I don't know what that means. So, but we'll create some scenarios for you of what that means. So I keep getting blamed for things that I didn't do and I can't defend myself. I'm told just get back to work and I think I will be fired. So first of all, you have a fear of being fired. I'm not sure if that's triggered by the seriousness of what you're being blamed for or if you just have a fear of losing your job or what that means. So let's start there. What do you do when someone's worried about losing their job?
2: Well, and the other thing I'm thinking is is the didn't do things that were on your plate, like I'm getting blamed for things I didn't oh. get done. Oh, that's a good one. I I, could. I don't I'm making that up as a new a new interpretation of that. but either way, if you think you're going to be fired, I think you have to go talk with your boss and say, "I'm not feeling like this is going well. I need to understand the expectations. Am I performing at a level that I'm supposed to be performing?" Presumably, there's been conversation regularly. There's been, you know, some performance evaluation. He doesn't or she doesn't mention that, but I would assume that would be some kind of intel. It's so general; it's difficult to give a concise answer. But didn't your
3: antenna go up a little bit when he was reading that? When Skip was reading that, just a relationship issue within that team, either with the manager or with some coworkers or both. It doesn't seem healthy, you know. So, so already. You're trying to think about addressing the question, but really you're already thinking there are more things that are probably impacting if someone's really feeling that way. So you're kind of managing the the empathy listening part of it with what other problems might need to be solved. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the one word that strikes me the most from that question is the defensiveness. That's what clued me into what you're saying, Brian, is when when someone feels, when a red flag goes up and you feel like you have to defend yourself, I feel like that's a good time to look at, okay, what's truly happening in this situation and getting an external perspective on what's going on. Specifically on the first part of that question of I'm getting blamed for things I didn't do, if it's things that the leader says you should be doing, I'd go back to have a conversation with the leader about here are the goals that we align to. I must be misunderstanding the expectations because this is how I saw it. Is that not how you're seeing it? which then brings to the importance of having goals and clear expectations and bringing back those goals and expectations on a regular basis in regular conversations. So that way this feeling doesn't happen for an employee, hopefully, because they're clear. I would say, too, that over the many years, a few
2: that I've worked with people, most of the time, not always, but most of the time when someone comes to me and says, "I I think I'm in trouble, I think I may be fired, they're usually right they're usually right in the sense that things are not going well. It could be different in this particular case, but if you don't take action and you're just kind of sitting and waiting for something to happen to you, that's not a good strategy. So you've got to take some kind of action, whether that action is, I'm going to be proactive and start looking for another job. I'm going to go talk to coworkers, boss. I'm going to go talk to you know someone in human resources or whatever. It is generally people who are doing a good job, performing well, capable for the position that they're in, don't feel they're going to be fired unless there's, you know, like a reorganization coming or an office is closing or, you know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: And my first thing when I'm ready, I keep getting blamed for things I didn't do. I just thought, I know Drew wrote this, but you're on vacation. So that's what we do.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're gone. Sorry.
2: (laughs) I see him in the kitchen a lot. Yes. You know, getting the M&Ms out. Uh (laughs) Probably not
3: not be very effective or efficient. Well,
2: and just, you know, (laughs) he's getting blamed for eating things in the kitchen. Yeah, Yeah. they're missing. Yeah.
0: They're missing. The M&Ms, the case of the missing M&Ms. Uh-huh. It's Drew Bordis. Well, I do read a lot into this, and I'm not sure how to read it, but I do think it is escalates. When it gets to being fired, it concerns me. I wonder if there's any basis for that. Is there documentation or something that? you could you know, point to that says, I may get fired, or is it just simply this person letting fear kind of overwhelm them? It's mm-hmm. hard to know. Sometimes that happens. It's hard to know because they're writing into us, so we don't know how, how, that, how serious that is. But getting blamed for things you didn't do, if you didn't do something and you're blamed for it, that is a stressful event. So in terms of managing stress at work, it is. And so, you know, the first question was all about the boss stressing them out with deadlines and Then we have people not listening to you, which is a stress, and then getting blamed. I think some of these themes are really important because at any given point in your career and in your life, these things are going to come up where you don't feel like you can get everything done in the deadline, where you feel like you're being unfairly blamed or thrown under the bus for things, where you feel like you're not being heard with your ideas. And these are really stressful things. Mm -hmm. And I think to me, it all points to the very purpose of this podcast, which is to work on yourself. And if you do, it will help you in all of these things, your confidence and your skills. Because no matter what happens, if you have confidence and skills, you know that the worst that can happen is they do let you go. And then you realize that's not so bad. You can find life on the other side. Sounds easier to say than do, I know, but it is important that you're working on yourself all the time. So double down on working on you. And so working on yourself becomes a critical success factor to aim higher. And with that, we have only been talking about managing stress at work, but our time is coming to an end. So we're not even going to get to negative attitudes on this session. So we will delay that for another time, but really helping people manage stress at work. It's a critical skill. It will help you in all that you do. Managing that stress is important to you, not just at work, but for your own personal life. It will help you aim higher. So thanks for listening. And we look forward to talking about negative attitudes on another time. We don't have time for negative attitudes on this episode, do we? We don't want to talk about negative things. So thank you for listening.
1: Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. Until next time, Remember, don't settle for the mediocre, always aim higher.